It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Together. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. When it comes to personal happiness and fulfillment, so much of life is about choosing the best perspective. And for most of us, we get better at it with age. I remember as a teen and 20-something, there were so many things I saw in the mirror and felt about myself or my circumstances that made me want to be somebody else. I sought validation from others and jumped from one relationship to the next, craving someone else to love me because I struggled to love myself. It wasn't until I turned 30 that I began spending a lot of time alone and in reflection of who I was and what I wanted and how I could consciously improve personally and in my relationships. One of the beautiful parts of transitioning from my 30s to my 40s was the complete forgiveness and acceptance that I developed for myself. My particular path might be unique, but this journey to self-love and acceptance is one that we all take. Today's guest on the podcast shares her personal story to self-love and the critical role cannabis played in getting there. Dr. Callie Seaman was diagnosed with epilepsy as a teenager, yet only recently began opening up about her struggles and treatment as she transitions into her 40s. Born and based in the UK, Callie has dedicated her life to understanding and advancing plant science. She is a veteran of the hydroponic industry with a PhD in formulation chemistry and over 20 years experience in the field. 
Callie's understanding of plant chemistry is highly respected, and her access to global research in plant science has led to huge innovations in the formulation of high-performance plant fertilizers and plant health products. If you or someone you love is living with a seizure disorder, this podcast is for you. And it's also for anyone struggling on their path to self-love and acceptance. Callie speaks both from her science brain and her heart to share the story of her diagnosis, being medicated, learning her triggers, modifying lifestyle choices, and her experience using medical cannabis to help control the seizures. And of course, we talk about the stigmas of epilepsy and of medical cannabis through the lens of the UK. So smoke them if you got them, and settle in for this smart and heartfelt look at epilepsy. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. Dr. Callie Seaman, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I know it is a Friday afternoon where you are in the UK, and I'm sure you're ready to get your weekend started. So thank you for making time for us. Not a problem, not a problem at all. It's raining outside, so there's not much going to be happening on this bank holiday. You know, you are a veteran in the hydroponics space with plant chemistry background and I just recently learned that you also live with epilepsy. I've never really done a deep dive on it on the podcast. And because you are so outgoing and outspoken and you are a huge advocate for not only plant medicine, but also breaking the stigma around epilepsy, I thought you were the perfect person to do a deep dive with me on that. Thank you so much. Yes, it's, it's, there's so much to talk about it. And I've really only just started coming out about talking about it. It's been sort of uh, quite an emotional time. Um, I was 15 when I was actually diagnosed. It, it happened at school. I collapsed at school on the, uh, the school field and had what, must my, what I knew was my first seizure. We call them grand mals then. The classic one where you're really sort of shaking on the ground. They had to call an ambulance. The next thing I knew, I'm going into the back of an ambulance. Um, rushed to hospital and then um, sent back home. I had another cluster of seizures that same day and was rushed back into hospital again and then sent for a number of different tests with no real what we would call diagnosis. They said I had a low threshold to epilepsy and that was it. They couldn't really pinpoint what it was, what kind it was, um, but very quickly put me on to camazepine which is an anti-epileptic drug, was quite often used there around about then. And I went from a straight A student uh, doing my GCSEs and I, I got sort of C's and D's when I actually completed my GCSEs. So I'd gone down massively. I'd done well enough luckily to get into do A levels. But again, it was a complete struggle, always just not being all there. And it, it's not been till many years later that I realized that it was it was to do with the medication that I was put on. At the age of 15, being told that you you can't have a bath alone, that's not allowed, um, you might drown. But there's so much changing with your body and you're being told this, or, oh, you can take these tablets. So I took the tablets, which were, I feel now, to a detriment. But I was also lucky enough to have a father who grew cannabis. 
uh, for me, for my epilepsy, and always made sure when I went to university and I'd actually come off of the clomazepine, I would always have a supply. I would always have what we would call a reliable supply that we knew where it came from. There was no risk of me going to someone who had got no idea how it had been grown, how it got into the country, or any of that. Back in the 90s, it was it was very common for resin around in them days. And you had stuff called um, soap bar. Uh, where you had your red seal and your gold seals. And they were just full of bits of plastic. And this was not something my dad wanted me to, you know, be exposed to. And as I say, he I was lucky enough to have that. I didn't have what I thought was any more seizures during this time. Um, I went deeply into denial. I was not a monster. I was not being treated differently because I was treated differently when I was at school when people knew that I was epileptic. I struggled with it a lot. I was I, I was lucky I had older friends. Um, but at that time, I never, ever mentioned the use of cannabis. I was always taught loose lips sink ships. We don't speak about this. We don't talk about it. And it was never a problem. It was never an issue. Yeah. So let me interrupt you real quick. So for me, like this is the early 90s and your dad, he he already knew that cannabis was a natural way to help with your epilepsy. Was this just like an intuition? Is he a scientist? Like how was your dad so progressive then? My dad is a hero. That's what he is. He's not got a qualification to his name. He can do anything. He can build bikes. He can take anything to bits. He is a proper, what I call a proper man. Um, And he is the greatest man. And I could not ever have be without him. He taught me so much. Um, growing up, he'd always grown, and we'd always known about this. And but it was I was taught not to talk about it. We always, always into extraction processes. So pollen by um, the actual bubble bags made by Myla. He was one of the first to, to do this with the the late nineties, and he's got this kind of revolutionary kind of new methodology. When I say revolutionary, at the time it was, I mean, you didn't kind of see that. Your dad stood in the kitchen with these bags trying to get sif off of them. It's quite quite amusing, bless him. Um, but was it, did he know? Now, my mum consumed while she was pregnant with me. And when she stopped, her blood pressure went skyrocket. Um, it, it went through the roof. Um, so something my dad always said was, you know, don't drink smoke cannabis it's, it's better for you there is so many better things to it he didn't really know what the medicinal properties were he wasn't some kind of shaman but what he saw and what he had seen was you know you were far better doing that you were far safer doing that than going down the pub and drinking alcohol you, you know and that's where he stood from it and there was sort of antidotal kind of stories about it helping epilepsy but nothing firm you couldn't find papers on it you know peer-reviewed journals didn't exist on this in them days um is the work in israel was never even spoke of it just wasn't i mean i didn't really find out much about the israeli work um since the last sort of 10 years that that was just it didn't exist back then so it, it was just something he always told me to do because you know rather than drinking because drinking was a bad thing yeah i love that fatherly intuition. And, you know, for me, I always hear about CBD being the the cure, so to speak, from, you know, the cannabis perspective for epilepsy. What does the THC cannabinoid do with epilepsy? Well, I, I don't know the exact mechanism of that one. Um, uh, the, there is some, a lot of theories. The problem is, is because we don't store anandamide, 
actually being able to monitor what is happening within our brains and doing open brain surgery is very different to doing work on say cancer cells it's quite easy to produce cancer cells in a, a petri dish and it's quite easy to then you know treat that with different kind of uh, concentrations of cannabis oils it's very different with epilepsy and i think this has been some of the within the uk why they've held back with actually approving it we know it works but how it works they don't quite know that they'd shown they'd done studies um on mice uh and improving cbd actually improving the instances of seizures within them but personally myself i don't know and it's something i'm starting to learn more and more my biggest problem was i was in denial so much i just wouldn't read about it and i would get angry i would open a book or look on a website and i would just get angry at the screen and just no i'm shutting that down no no i don't want to know the last two years, I have really embraced it and started reading about it. I still get emotional about it. I still get angry about it. I've nicknamed him now. Um, he's called George. Um, he's a bit like a jealous boyfriend. Doesn't like me going out. Certainly doesn't like me staying out late at night or not getting sleep. He gets very upset at that. But George does like a good smoke. And he's very particular about his smokes as well. Doesn't like Testarossa. And he was not happy with that. We were not having that particular strain uh, my dad had produced for me. I just didn't like that. It was, no, didn't like, wasn't his friend at all. Kicked off about that. But does like the strain, the Mac. He does behave beautifully with it. Um, clarity. And I'm talking a lot about that because a lot of people are saying to me, what is your favourite strain to use? But that's for me. And it, what works for me doesn't necessarily work for everybody. We have to understand this is such a complex plant. Epilepsy is such a complex disease. And the key to it is knowing your triggers. So knowing what George doesn't like, what's going to make him kick off. He doesn't like not me not getting sleep. As I say, his jealous boyfriend doesn't like stress either. Something emotionally stressful happens. And he's punches me in the face and I'm out for the count on the floor. I have followed your journey with your Instagram account, your uh, George and I stories. Yeah. And I really appreciate that so much. It is a real in the moment look at what you're doing and feeling. And you do mention triggers a lot. And so I find that being super conscious and understanding you know, these triggers helps you almost feel empowered over George. Completely. You, you know how to control him completely. One of the big things with knowing those triggers is you, you can help prevent seizures. You can help to calm them down, talk yourself down from them, and then stop smashing your face up because you've fallen over and you've hit a sink on the way down. Um well, how what I've also started to do is look at it in more of a positive light. Rather than being angry at George, seeing him as a gift, somebody said to me, you've got to look at this as a superpower. You've been given this. They started to point out all the good things about it. And I talk in those videos again about the good sides of it, the euphoria, the, the creativity. When, the, when it's flowing and when I'm going, I am on fire. I can take the world on. I'm going to do this. I'm going to set this up. We're going to get this business going. And we're going to have this project. And who's with me? That was about two weeks ago. This week, we're at the other end of the spectrum. 
Um, it's my, uh, I've come on my period as well, which has had an effect. My hormones are all over the place. And this morning I was just an utter, utter mess. I've had three days of a migraine. Um, but that's the other end of it. What goes up must come down. That's, that's what, what happens. And when you start to view it as a gift, you can start to share your story and you can start to help others because other people feel this way. I know I felt this way for many, many years, like a monster. But I, you shouldn't feel like a monster because we're not monsters. We are people. We've got, you know, challenges. But part of those challenges, there's a gift in there. The, the 100 miles an hour, everything is just, you've got to embrace that and live for each day and, and not worry about stood up. Um, which is quite a scary thing, sort of. Um, it's a sudden, unpredictable death due to epilepsy. And when the, the epilepsy nurse says that to you, and you get the letter when it tells you about sort of, you go, oh, thanks for the letter telling me that I might just die. Great. That's cheered me well up. <laughs> uh, well, I dated someone for several years who... I mean, maybe go a year and a half without a, a seizure and then all of a sudden have 20 of them in a month. And when I was in Europe for a couple of months, I came back to him having lost his driver's license and had several terrible incidents of falling out at a bus stop and waking up just on a sidewalk alone. And, you know, these sorts of things can be super scary. So when you really started recognizing like, okay, I do have these triggers, you know, how did you start kind of mapping this stuff out? So where you could feel like you are living life to the fullest, so to speak, yet um, being responsible and being a good caretaker for yourself. Keeping a diary was one of the first things I did. So getting the dates down of when it was happening, trying to look at anything that was happening around that. So looking was a particularly stressful events are coming up. Had I had some arguments? Was it a hot day as well? Because that seems to be one of my triggers. There seems to be a link to hot days and temperature. But really just examining everything around it, analysing the whole environment. Had I had a lot of sugar? Had I been drinking enough water? Um, had I been getting enough sleep? What time of the month was it with, with regards to my hormonal levels as well? Recording all of these. And, and once I started recording them, it made it easier. I mean, one of the, the, the strangest ones, I've, I've gone for years without having a seizure. Um, but I've had auras between them. And they would occur, these auras, every three months. Then we sort of went, well, okay, what well, takes three months? It's a crop, isn't it? That's the crop coming through. It's a changing batch. It's a changing strain. Um, it can be the same strain grown, but we've got a batch change. So the temperatures was higher. So we've got a slightly different ratio, maybe as of THC to CBD, a different terpene profile that's triggered something, or just a, just a complete change that my brain's just gone, <laughs> we're not having that. <laughs> we're not having that. So there's lots. What It was about monitoring it. It was about writing it down. And, and just looking and examining that. And, and now the big thing has been sleep. If I want a nap in the day, have a nap in the day. Um, in fact, I've had one just before this show. Uh, I felt yeah, a lot better for it. <laughs> I'm a power napper. I mean, at least 10 to 15 minutes every day. You know, I have to start my day with at least 20 minutes of meditation because I wake up with an ample level of anxiety 
And so, you know, I need to do something to soothe myself so that I can turn around and focus and be prepared. But then, yeah, in the middle of the day when that starts amping back up, you know, just closing my eyes for 10 or 15 minutes is a game changer. Completely. My dad used to say he was just uh, resting his eyes. And you're not, you're not resting your eyes when I was little. And I get that now. I get I totally just rest your eyes. Close them for a little while and rest your eyes. And it, yeah, lots of things I'm starting to notice. I turned 40 this year, so there's lots of things that I'm starting to notice about age, about needing to have a little nap, make sure you're getting plenty of sleep, staying out all night. Yeah, you know, I'm a, a single dating person and I'm constantly like, mm, it's a school night. I've got to turn it in now. I need my beauty rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And, and and drinking on a school night is just a no-no. Absolute no-no. Can't even entertain it. So tell me, so you've made these lifestyle choices and you medicate with cannabis. Are you medicating with other pharmaceutical drugs or are you solely medicate with plant medicine? I'm just plant medicine. I'm about a balanced diet, getting sleep and using cannabis. After that, the camazepine that they put me on, I swore I would never take pharmaceuticals long term again. They they zonked me out. I was a com- I was a completely different person. I was in a, a very controlling relationship. I was not the person I was. I didn't have a seizure during that time either. Now I just felt that I was not the the person. My grades showed that at school because at seventeen I was weaned off. I'd had no fits, so they weaned me off. My A levels all of a sudden went to you know B's. Uh, you know from what they were right down at you know I was failing them, and I put that down to basically coming off of the camazepine and feeling this clarity, feeling this kind of fog had been lifted away from me. Felt like I could I was the person I was born to be, which was to get out there and change the world. And and I remember this person blossoming out. And the more I look back, the more I see what that was. It, it's strange how you put these things down to the bottom of your mind because that time was over and I don't want to think about it. And the more I do, the more I think, well, maybe we need to communicate this to more people and they need to question more about the medication that they're being given. You know, I think I was used a bit as a guinea pig. It was I was I felt I was put onto, you know, very strong drugs very quickly without any kind of real diagnosis. We we we've seen you had one day of seizures. I would have liked two of them to have at least seen me have another one or some other trigger again before quickly put me onto these pharmaceutical drugs that did me absolutely no good. Yeah, because I remember um, my boyfriend at the time would be kind of a, in this depressive type state, reserved, headaches, things like that. And I would always try to <clears throat> get him to explore CBD as an option, but he was someone living a sober lifestyle. And so for him, he didn't like the idea that when he says, well, what's the dose? And my response is, well, we're all different. You have to figure that out. And so that for him was just like, "Mm, I don't think so. I know my tendencies and I just, I don't want to go there. And it was always so frustrating for me to know this would totally help him. It would not give him any of these psychoactive effects that cannabis has the stigma of. And so I just, 
It's his journey. I have to respect it. So I just kept my mouth shut. But I would like to talk about that a little bit. The stigmas around cannabis and, you know, and CBD, because a lot of people that are using um, CBD as a treatment for epilepsy are children. There's a huge stigma around that. So I know what that's like in the U.S. Tell me a little bit about what you've experienced in the U.K., from a parent perspective of a, you know having a child, now Baden's now 16, I'm now talking openly about it. Up until then, I was very closed, very, very closed, and I didn't share my experience with enough people. Um, but now I'm willing to talk openly about it and want to help others. Um, I'm working with uh, a lot of parents as well, uh, part of a, a parent support group called MedCan, support um so if you want to check that out there's a website and we are about supporting parents who have no understanding of cannabis um, we we mainly support children with epilepsy so there is a parent involved called uh, hannah deking and uh, matt hughes and jade proud proudman as well of savage cabbage we're all working together to support and give education about cannabis Yes, you're, you know, your child is epileptic, but you're not going to be rolling a spliff for them and lighting it up. It's going to be using tinctures and, you know, different oils and understanding why the black market isn't the best place for you to be going. You know, what the problems you can face with what's, what, what is actually there on the black market and why it's important to get lab tests. We're also helping to interpret lab tests so that we can communicate that better because here it's just a complete lack of education. Doctors have got no idea. They've not even been taught about the endocannabinoid system. If you go to your GP, they'd go, the endo what? Um, I mean, during my degree, I did a degree in biomedical sciences. It wasn't even mentioned. It didn't even exist. Um, the only thing we talked about cannabis was, was to actually detect it on somebody who was breaking the law. That was it. It was detection of, of, of uh, you know, it was the illegal side activity. Of- yes. My, yeah. I had my epigenetic coach on the show a few weeks ago, and we were talking about how they're discovering that the endocannabinoid system is probably the most complex system in the human body. And so it is so ridiculous that it's just now starting to be taught in schools. So, oh, that's brilliant. Is that, they're actually teaching it in schools now. That is that is brilliant to hear. It just doesn't exist here. There's a group of us who know, and we're trying to get the word out there. But you're almost like you're talking witchcraft sometimes. Things are changing. Don't get me wrong. I've got to you know, thank people like Professor Mike Barnes, Professor Nutt, David Nutt as well, who are part of Project 2021. They are helping. They are helping to remove this. And there's lots of other people involved. But there's still a real long way to go. CBD here has seemed to be the wellness and the wonder compound. CBD is good, but we need all those other compounds. We need all those terpenes. We need all the other cannabinoids to all work together not just one isolate on its own as crystals. It's not, it's not the essence of how it works. And I mean, there's been so many studies done as well to show that isolate is not better than full plant extract. There's nothing beats full plant extract. And I, you know, and I understand like, okay, my child is seven and, you know, we're just sticking with the CBD isolate to do this. But when is that age where you do start experimenting with adding the other cannabinoids along with the CBD in children. Is there, you know, is there a threshold for that? It's as soon as they need it. 
It's, it's, it's as soon as they need it. Now, if they're four years old and the CBD has stopped working, because what tends to happen, what we've seen a lot, is they start dosing with CBD and the seizures stop. But then after about a six-month period, it stops being as effective. Almost it becomes resistant. The body needs more. So what starts to happen is a tiny bit of THC is needed, and, and that is most often what is needed. So as soon as it's required, really. Some people are fine and carry on with CBD and it works perfectly fine for them. There's so many different types of epilepsy. It's not one size fits all. It was lovely to hear that you say you're saying that to your, um, your, your ex-partner that, you know, you've got to find your sweet spot. It's not one size fits all. And this is what modern medicine has kind of taught us that it's one size fits all. You take a tablet, you will feel better. No, you've got to look at different uh, routes of actual administration. I've just discovered suppositories. There, that's something new. I know patients that have been taking the suppositories because they need so much THC, you know, to ease a lot of the pain that they're in that, you know, their body just couldn't handle the psychoactivity of, you know, that having that second pass through the liver or whatever. So the suppository method helps them get all the medicine they need without feeling quite so high. Yeah. Uh, cancer patients, it's a big one for. Endometriosis, it's getting a big one for because it's targeted as well. Rather than it being um, it, it being sort of you're, you're taking it all, having an edible, depends what you've eaten, depends, you know, what mood you're in as well. Um, personally, I'm not a big edible lover. I don't. I just don't get on with them. I don't enjoy them. Um, they last too long and I can't make them stop. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like some of my mushroom experiences. <laughs> and speaking of, so if THC is a helpful component for treating epilepsy, what about the other entheogens, the, you know, the mushrooms, things like that? Is that good or bad for epileptic patients? Well, any recreational drug or any drug is going to come with a risk. So anything that the doctors also prescribe. So we, if we just treat them as a whole, treat it all as a whole, everything has got a risk to cause a seizure. Now, I, through my years, have done plenty of mushrooms and plenty of different recreational, and they've never caused me to have a seizure. I've never had one due to them. But everyone is different. It isn't a good idea to use stimulants, things like amphetamines, uh, those that, you know, that's going to cause those kinds of missed triggers in your brain. It isn't a good idea. I wouldn't recommend people with epilepsy to start playing with uh, psychedelics. You could cause yourself more problems. However, there is a definitely some very good evidence for the use of psilocybin for uh, antidepressants, PTSD, you know, therapy. There is some really good research starting to come through. And then you've got other mushrooms like your uh, lion's mane that help with neuroregeneration as well. Um, so everything, I suppose, has got a risk when you're epileptic. But if you just thought about that every time you went out, you'd never do anything. Um, it, it's just being sensible and, and thinking about what you're doing. Some people's triggers is caffeine. A cup of coffee can cause it. So it all depends. Okay, so let's talk now if someone is on the medications and they do want to make this shift and they go in to talk to their doctor. Tell me a little bit about your experience with doctors and you know how to have an intelligent conversation about this to introduce the idea. 
Best thing to do first is get six papers, six peer-reviewed journals. Go, go in there armed with hard facts. Don't go in there with a website from Weed World. Don't get me wrong, Weed World has got some good information. But the doctors aren't going to take you seriously if you go in with something like that. You need to go in with the language they speak. So go in with a peer-reviewed journal. Look on things like Nature. Look on things like Google Scholar. Make sure you're searching in those places. PubMed is another really good one. Search your disease and cannabis. Get some good papers out of there and take them with you and show them and, and ask the doctor to sort of, what do you know about this? Don't go in going, I know this, I know that, no, 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 you don't know anything. What I need is cannabis. The doctor's going to go, really, sir? Hmm, you're not going to get anywhere. You need to go in, talk to them on a level and make them feel like they're telling you the answer. So go in with the papers asking, what does this mean? This appears to say that cannabis helped this person. Is that an option? What do you think about this? And, and go in with questions about that. Um, don't say Doris from number five down the road has been trying CBD. Should I give it a go? Again, the doctor is not going to take you seriously. You need to go in with hard facts. They like data. Speak their language and you'll get a lot further. Now, I, my personal experience, I've had many different experiences with doctors. I've had um, some that have been wanting more information off of me, so they've been very interested, always saying, we can't recommend you do this. However, please tell me what you're doing. Please tell me your experience. I've had others that have just told me to go away and, um, you know, don't, don't bother coming with that. That's illegal. If you speak to me about that again, we'll take your son off of you. So I've had two ends of the spectrum, um, two ends, but the stigma is changing here. And I think me talking about it more openly as well, you know, explaining that, I mean, I've been consuming for 25 years now and it, it didn't stop me achieving. It didn't stop me going to school. It didn't stop me building two businesses. It, it didn't stop me doing any of that. So all of this idea that it makes you lazy, I kind of blow out the water with that. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the cannabis culture in the UK right now? Like I'm talking about the legality of CBD and cannabis and the stigma, that kind of stuff, just kind of a general view. Well, well, being part of the hydroponic industry 20 years, that scene's been going a long, long time before then. That was the very, very underground scene. We had about sort of six years ago, the CBD scene started. So this was about wellness, just about CBD. Now, at the moment, it's still legal to sell CBD, but it very soon it isn't going to be. I don't know the exact date on that, so, but they've you need to be registered with the FSA. Is it the FSA? Oh, it's such a great area. No one really seems to know what's actually happening. But you're always going to have the illicit market there. But what we are getting to see is clinics coming through. So the way a patient currently will actually get access is they will have to register with the clinic, they will have to pay a consultation fee, uh, and then be prescribed based on their, their actual condition that they've got. Now, now this a isn't a general clinic, this is a specific medical cannabis clinic, or are they calling them CBD clinics? 
No, uh, medical cannabis clinics. So th th they are, uh, they do high THC. So it's not just about the CBD. Um, th th that kind of is more put into the wellness side of things here. It's kind of a very funny industry because to this whole CBD industry that we've got occurring in the UK, THC is the devil's blood. It's just even a, a, a sniffing near it. It's no, it's not going to get you high. Um, it, it's quite bizarre how you've got this split and really it's all the same thing. And what you do need is a little bit of THC and then you'll have better medicinal pro you know, products. You'll have much better pain relief, much better sleep. Um, it's about that balance again. Um, but the clinics, again, the, it's prescriptions there. Myself, they don't do uh, adult uh, epilepsy. They don't treat it with cannabis. It's not on the list of ones that they'll actually do. They're concentrating on pain mainly at the moment. Childhood epilepsy is what is focused on here, but we've still not got any access on the NHS. That's our National Health Service where prescriptions are freely paid for. If I was to go to the doctors to get my um, anti-epileptic drugs, that'd be all paid for, but they won't entertain cannabis whatsoever. And Epidiolex is the very first pharmaceutical grade CBD drug that is available in the market, which is actually produced in the UK. So is Epidiolex something that, what's your experience with it? I've never used it because it's an isolate and isolates don't work as well as full plant extract. And I believe that when people grow their own plants, there's love there and there's intent. And that means a lot. And when you know the person who is doing that cultivation, you know how it's been treated, you know exactly what's been put onto it, and you know the love that's gone into that. And when that's a family member doing that for you as well, there's even more love because you know that they are caring for it the best way that they can because it's for you. And I can't, can't emphasise that enough. There's so much holistic therapy to actually growing your own. I've seen it so many times coming through the shops when I used to work in the hydro shops, the joy it used to give. You know, I had an old gentleman come in and his wife had been diagnosed with cancer and he needed to do something. So he was going to grow. And he did grow. He helped his, his wife. Quality of life. He didn't cure her. He knew he wasn't going to cure her, but he needed to see her happy. And it kept him going. Just one more crop, just one more crop. She she passed away eventually. But he was thankful that he had that. He had something to hang on to, to to feel he had purpose, to feel that he he was trying, he was doing what he could for his wife. And it was those are the stories that make your heart just you go, yeah, it's worth it. This job, it's worth it every day. So, did George inspire you to go into the the field of plant chemistry that you did? Was it your dad that inspired you to do that? It was my daddy. Yes, it was my dad. He, he was the one who, he taught me to grow. He was the one who taught me everything about it. He used to take me in the uh, local hydro shop um, in the, the city close to us um, when I was 15. So that was the first place I got my first job in the hydro industry, um, got to know the boys there, and then actually lived in a house over the back of them when I went to uni. And they asked me if I just wanted a Saturday job. And do I want a Saturday job in a hydro shop? Mm, yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. <laughs> that'll be cool. And it was still a very underground scene. Um, it was for many, many years. We were kind of outcast for many, many years. Um, always paid tax. 
you know, advised lots of people how to grow tomatoes and herbs. Lots of lots of tomatoes. <laughs> no. <laughs> so just... I would not be a good cannabis lifestyle guide if I didn't ask you about, you know, dropping some hydroponics knowledge on us. So some of these people that maybe want to dip their toe in that, they may be newbies at it. Do you have any tips to share? Right, big one. Don't overwater. Biggest mistake everyone makes. Overwaters. That's the big thing. Keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate things. A lot of people will dive into hydroponics and they'll get so confused. Start messing with the pH. Start messing with the conductivity. Start off simple and concentrate on your environment. Just do it in pots to start off with a bit of soil. Start off very simple. Get to understand the plant, see how it grows, understand the, you know, your your 18-hour cycle and your 12-hour cycle. Get to know that first before overcomplicating it. Hydroponics is fantastic for consistent yields, big yields, you know, being in full control and doing research. But when it goes wrong, it can go majorly wrong. So big thing is keep it simple. Don't get stressed about things. Start off very simple. Yeah, and don't overwater because that's what everyone does. Don't put a bit for luck. Remember, this plant will quite happily get be stressed out to the max. It's it'll grow anywhere. So a little bit of drying out, it'll pull back round with wetting again. But that's as I say, what the biggest mistake I see is little plant keep pouring in, keep watering it, and then it's just going rotting it. I can't handle it. So tell me, do you have some favorite resources or does your company, um, Aqualabs, provide resources for um, end consumers? Yes, we've got our website, which we're getting up and running again now. Just revamping that at the moment. But the best thing to do is to follow us on Instagram. Um, that's where we, we seem to post a lot of our information. There's going to be some, um, actually, this is quite an exclusive. We're talking about doing a podcast coming up. Um, so that's going to be coming out soon. The Shogun website's another good place to go for the actual nutrients that we produce. Um, we've been working with universities as well to actually produce these over the time and doing studies with actual licensed cultivators within this country. So there's going to be some interesting results coming through with some of the new products that are coming then, coming on board. Um, now, is Shogun but, products, are those available in the US and the UK? Currently, we're not. We're we're looking at going into the U.S. at the moment. We're in uh, negotiations with somebody who is actually looking at products. So, we hope for this time next year should be and hopefully be in the U.S. But um, feel free to just drop me a, a DM and we can see if we can get something sent out if if people are looking at, at using the Shogun range. Now, let's talk a little bit about your current research. I had read that you are working on increasing secondary metabolite production of all chemovars. Sounds exciting and complicated, so let's say that in layman's terms. Looking to make the THC and the CBD higher. Okay, so taking a strain that, so you found something that really works for you. Let's just keep it simple. You know, you've got DOCOG that works well for you and you want to play with the THC and CBD levels. So you're saying that a home grower can do that or that, okay. Well, for, 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 for anyone with really research of understanding why the plant produces these different secondary metabolites. So CBD and THC, how can we stress the plant to do that? Is that a temperature thing that we can do? Is that insect attack? I mean, what we do know is that terpenes are produced by 
plants as a stress response. Um, when they're getting attacked by fungus, they will produce them. And when they get attacked by insects, they will produce them. And these, all of these secondary metabolites that have all of these beneficial effects on us are because the plants produce them to protect themselves. So, and that's why it has that beneficial anti-inflammatory response on us. It will, can be a, an insecticide. It can be used as um, antifungal and antiviral. So the plant produces all these naturally. So what makes them do that? Is this a temperature shift? Is this uh, using cold water on the roots? Is this, you know, a pH fluctuation around the root zone? Is it using a high level of potassium during the vegetative cycle? All of these different things we need to examine. We need to examine the use of uh, high sulfur within the, the latter weeks of growth. Is that a death signal to the plant that it then triggers the plant to actually produce more resin within the plant? Is using nitrogen early on a good idea in order to increase leaf mass? Does this have an effect on the, the, the resin production? Does this have an effect on those terpenes production? So we're looking at all of these different variations, including light wavelength as well to find how we can tailor and get the full genetic potential from a plant or steer it towards what's needed, what that person's medication needs and how we can do that through environmental changes to get the best out of that plant. So hopefully we'll have some nice research in the coming years, fingers crossed. Another thing that I like about that, you know, there are like the cannabichromine and the cannabigerol, the these other cannabinoids that we would like to see more of in the plant. It costs a fortune to try to get these cannabinoids. So if we can figure out how to increase them in the plant, that would be huge. Well, it's also looking at time of harvest and which parts of the plant can we get more to be produced in. Um, because quite often with, with extraction processes, along the way what can happen is you can destroy a lot of the terpenes because they're so volatile as well. So if we can find out other ways of getting the leaves to produce particular compounds so you can use those to for extraction of, you say, for example, of CBG, um, and get higher levels out of there, surely that's got to be better extraction of all the CBG from the leftover leaves and being able to then do cold water extraction, um, uh, you know, using cold ethanol on the, the actual flower sets to maintain all of those terpene profiles. So it's, it's looking at all of these different ways so we can increase these and, and finding out which chemophiles have bigger potentials of these. I did a post a couple of weeks on the root mass as well how much CBG is in there? Can we increase the amount of CBG within the roots again? Because then we're using all of the plant as opposed to just one part of it because there's so much waste. We, we concentrate on those big fat flower sets and everything else is kind of forgot about. I such. know. I, well, that's what I, when I saw that post and you're like, you know, the, the roots of the plant, not only do they, you know, hold the plant in place, they're also the mouth of the plant. And CBG is the cannabinoid that is prevalent there. And so my thought was, well, then when we cut these plants down, what can we do with these roots? Should we be juicing the roots like people juice the flower, whatever, you know, like, I don't know. It, it, it's it's something that needs investigating further. One, this is the advantages of hydroponics. You've got that root system there, so you you can do that with it. As soon as you've got soil involved, you've then got to try and get all that soil off of that root mass, and you've got all of that to try and remove. So, 
Now, you you winced when I said juicing it. Have you ever taken a bite off of a cannabis root? Not off of a root, but uh, the leaves I've done fresh and it's it's hard to get down. It's- See, I didn't think so. I would juice the leaves in my smoothies and I liked the taste of it. I mean, it just tasted oh. like another herb in my smoothie. <laughs> It really didn't tickle me. I, I I just put loads of ginger in in order to cover it up. It's just not my favorite, but I see the benefits. Well, so is there anything that I didn't ask you that you think is important to share in this conversation about epilepsy and using cannabis as your main form of medicine? No, no I think we've covered everything. I think you've done a brilliant job, Dot. I think you've done a fantastic. It's been it's been lovely to chat, and and it's not been the best of days. So it's been lovely to to, to chat with you. It's made me smile a lot. Well, good because yeah, I you know follow along with you, and like I said, I love the George and I videos, and I did see that you were coming down off of a high, and I thought, oh no, I hope she doesn't feel terrible and doesn't want to talk to me today. No, I'd fight. In the middle of the week, I'd, I had to cancel an appointment because I just couldn't. The, the migraine, the migraine's gone now, but it was round here. It was across here. Oh, it was horrific. It's, I think it's the tension of the world at the moment. It's all... Yeah, that doesn't help. No. When you do feel a trigger, do you smoke? Do you take a tincture? What's the thing that you do to kind of nip it in the bud to try to keep yourself from having a seizure? Sit down for number one. Uh, have a drink of water is where I usually start. If I feel the aura start, the warm, I've probably got about 30 seconds to a minute before I'm going to hit the deck, if I'm going to hit the deck. I'm more just try to move everything out of the way. Sometimes I'll go for the tincture, but if I'm having a what I'd call a feeling Caesar-ish, my consumption goes up. So I will actually regimentally medicate as opposed to randomly. Um, I will make sure that, right, it's dinner time. I really do need to top this up. Or I will start to use things like the suppositories or use a tincture regimentally on a morning to make sure I'm topping that up as opposed to just, oh, yeah, we'll be all right today. Yeah, we're all right today. Don't worry. I'm getting used to this at the moment. I'm still getting my head around a lot of things as well. Um, now I'm accepting of it. I'm able to monitor it more. I'm able to understand what happens better. What I have noticed is when I do stop smoking, which I did just before my PhD when I was I was completing that, I had a major seizure after not having one for 20 years, um, what we call a grand mal. Um, it's a tonic colonic, so it's those classic ones, not just uh, a bit of a jerk or a, an absence. They're, they're known as what we call petimals or um, partial seizures. So I'd had a, a, a tonic colonic one at work. This was through stress, but I'd, I'd stop smoking again. So I just make sure I'm kind of topped up daily. And as I've started using other types, I started using tinctures. I, I, I tried CBD alone. That didn't work alone. I was still having those auras. Now I'm looking at what strains I'm using. Sorry. Mm -hmm. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I remember my ex before he was about to have a grand mal seizure was like the metallic-y taste in the mouth. Mm. And then he would describe it as like the Looney Tunes logo, like, you know, where you start having this like tunnel vision kind of thing. And he would just say, grab my hand, come with me, you know, and just 
clear things out of the way, like get in a position where he was not going to hurt himself and, you know, me hold his head, stopwatch, you know, the whole thing. And he just had it down where this, he just knew this was going to happen. When the aura starts, I've got 30 seconds to about a minute of, right, I've got to move, get me here, right, it's coming. As I said, the deja vu feeling. I know now, I look back, I was having seizures over those 20 years. I now know that I used to get myself into toilets and wedge myself into those where it was cooler and always take my trousers down. So this was a big thing. And now we're aware of it. Um, it it's quite funny now that um, one of the things that we've started to notice is, oh, Callie takes her trousers down. So if you've got, if you find me with my trousers on my ankles, I'm probably having a seizure. Is cooling down. It's what I'm trying to do is cool down. Well, um, and also, you, you know, you don't want to come out of it and have peed your pants or shit yourself. And, you know, and now you have to walk out of a bathroom a mess. Yep. Yeah. And that, that was a funny thing is that, yeah, actually, as soon as I'd actually, you know, passed anything out, the seizure would stop. It was it was quite weird. Now, I don't know how many times I've blacked out in toilets, if I'm honest, because there's times when the feelings come, I've gone into toilets, got myself, and then thought I've talked myself down. The similar things happen and someone's been present and gone, you were out, you were out for the count, you were gone, you were not, we couldn't communicate with you, you were mumbling, you were you weren't there, you regressed, you you were following a line on the table like you were a three-year-old. So I now look back and start to think, hmm, maybe that was, that was one, that was one, that was one. And that's coming out of denial, though. Yeah. You know, it's not a fun thing to talk about or, you know, when you're in that moment and you have no control over what's going on and then all of a sudden you come to and there may be a crowd of people hovering over you. I'm sure it is just this strange feeling where you're just like, I want to be anywhere but right here, right now. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, The worst one was waking up, going into the back of an ambulance and you've got the whole school stood around because going back to school after that was not pleasurable. The rumours that was going around, um, you know, what had happened, I was a druggie, I was this, that and the other. A lot of people stopped hanging around with me through fear of it. It's just naivety. When you look back, it's a quite a scary thing to witness. I've never actually seen myself have a seizure, but you know instantly when you come out of it that you've had one because of the look and the fear in the face of the people that are surrounding you because it's... Oh my God, she's back. Thank God for that. That it, it, it is, you really do feel that. And one of the best things I can give to anybody who is witnessing someone having a seizure, keep calm and keep talking to them. Keep talking to them because you can hear them. And I've kept in the room before because somebody's been talking to me. Uh, I, I say I go to another realm. It's, all, it's almost like going to sleep, but you go to another realm. It's not unpleasurable while you're out. The biggest problem is, is when you come back round and you're covered in bruises or you're hurting or aching or you feel tired, your head hurts, and it's afterwards is worse than the actual seizure as long as you've not hit your face. There's, I say, there's one time that I, I smashed this tooth up, smashed this lip up, big lump on the head. Um, but it's all part and parcel of it. They're all war wounds, and I'm back, back to fight another day. Yeah. 
I remember touching Ben's head after he had had a seizure and he was like, I love you, but don't touch me right now. <laughs> yeah, I can totally get that. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, I think the people who are there to support you, it's just as important for them to completely understand the illness so they know how to show up properly and be of assistance and be that support network. Completely, completely. And it's, it's what what's kept me going is the people I've got around me. I'm so, so thankful for the people I've got around me. Well, I would encourage everyone to follow Callie on Instagram. Her handle is at dr. period Callie Seaman, and that's C A L L I E. So it's informative. And one of my other favorite things that you do is giving personalities to terpenes. It's so great. You write the best bio for terpenes and you educate people on what they're for, why they would want them, you know, involved in the entourage effect of their experience. And it, it's just priceless. Very cheeky. I love it. I highly recommend Dr. Callie Siemens Instagram page for all of that kind of stuff. Now, tell me one more time the name of the organization that you work with that's helping educate people on the epilepsy piece. Uh, that's MedCan Support. I'll include in the show notes some of the links to Callie's work and what she's doing. And if you have any of those uh, growing resources that you think would be helpful, send those over and I'll include them as well. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. Well, I hope you enjoy your weekend, Callie. Thank you for sharing the end of your Friday with me and the Casually Baked Tribe. We'll have to have you back on. We'll do a deep dive on hydroponics next time I have you on. <sighs> Yes, definitely. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Much pleasure. Oh, thanks for being here. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Callie and George. I'll be sure to include Callie's bio and social links in the podcast 149 show notes at casuallybaked.com. You'll also find a collection of educational resources for epileptic patients ready to do the homework and discuss cannabis as a treatment with their doctors. I hope Callie's story inspired you to reframe your own experience. You know, turn those struggles into the engine that manifests your superpower. Remember that no matter where you are on the journey, it's never too late to love yourself. If someone you know and love needs to hear this message, I hope you'll share this podcast with them. And you can find our Zoom Room video version of this chat on the Casually Baked YouTube channel. And for you growers out there, I promise to have Dr. Callie back on the show for a deeper dive into hydroponics and plant health products. In the meantime, stay connected with me on social. I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're so moved, please rate and review Casually Baked on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You taking that action helps other canna-curious folks find this highly responsible cannabis content. And I gotta admit, this latest podcast review has me walking on sunshine. Watson 97 wrote, Joe Nuding, you had me at hello. 
This podcast gives me a space to exist without judgment from the harsh world as a medical cannabis user. It is timely, educational, funny, personable, and real. I have learned a ton. I admire Joe's passion, drive, wit, and heart. Thank you for creating a safe place to discuss, grow, learn, and smoke. All the hearts for Casually Baked. Yes, it's a hard time. We had a hard time together. Oh, Watson 97. Oh, that feels so good. So good. Yes, and thank you for seeing me and embracing my contribution to our tribe. It feels time to transition this labor of love into a thriving business. Mostly because I haven't had a paycheck in a couple of months. <laughs> so as a listener, if you find value in the content I create, I hope you'll consider becoming a podcast patron for as little as $5 per month. I know you spend more on your coffee than that. So if I'm worth a latte, hook a sister up. Now, as a business owner, if your products or services align with the casually baked values, perhaps you'd make an excellent show sponsor. Message me through the website at casuallybaked.com to inquire about advertising on the podcast. And just so you know, I've spent over 20 years in media and corporate storytelling. So I promise your message will be in good hands. Together, we'll puff, puff, pass it on. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create high time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.